But Paul says there are some who believe in vain. What does that mean? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Ember. I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV as we go through the Bible, our 31st year, getting ready to go 32. That's going to be really exciting. Take your Bible guide and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a good one. Corey is here with Ryan. What's going on? I'm going to be focusing in on the idea that several of the books of the New Testament were originally letters. More on that later. Ryan? Well, Paul, in his great appeal to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, notes, among other things, that stars differ from other stars in splendor. And what's interesting is that astronomers have actually discovered that no two stars are the same. More on that later. Yeah, they're different. They're unique. Very good. Jan? He lives. All right. Very good. Take your Bible guide and your Bible, and let's look at God's grace from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and hear what God is talking about. First Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the Twelve. After that, He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. First Corinthians 13 to 16. This is, of course, our last look at First Corinthians. We're going to look at the Second Corinthians on the next program tomorrow. It's going to be very good. And uh, let me tell you that it's important for us to remember that Paul the Apostle was a Pharisee. In fact, he was. He was someone who dedicated his life to the written word of God and to oral tradition. But when he was confronted by Jesus Christ himself, who, by the way, is also called the Word of God, and stopped persecuting the early church, his theology radically changed. And suddenly, he could hear God's Word differently. Hmm. Now, this is what happens when our lives are transformed 
by the forgiveness and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, saved from the destiny of hell, our understanding of God's word changes through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. It is dramatic. Now, this is part of God's grace. There is no understanding of this grace in someone who is not saved or not born again, saved from the hell ravages or born again. But it is possible to be saved, in fact, in vain, meaning that you're not really saved at all. There are people who go through motions, but do not take Jesus Christ as Lord of their life, even though they and we think they did. Now, one way that we can be assured of salvation is through the transformative power of perseverance when our desires, our beliefs, our hopes, our faith, and our love is conformed to Christ as light in the darkness, shining in a stark contrast to the way we were before. So the evidence of salvation is the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. The Holy Spirit is a big part of this, beloved. We need to understand that. We need to get that today as we read through this particular passage of Scripture. Now, 1 Corinthians is an amazing letter uh, written to the Corinthian church. And as we begin to study this, 1 Corinthians 15, there's one more chapter after that. But as we begin to study this chapter, we look at this and we begin to understand that God's grace is something we can get. Get your Bible and guide in your Bible and turn to today's passage. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can write for yours by calling us or writing to us. A better way to do it is go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the Bible guide page. That's Bible Discovery TV. And when you do that, it takes you to donate. Let me just say, I want to thank everyone for their donations. It really means a lot. Thank you. That's the only way we have of support. You've kept us alive through this pandemic and everything else. It's been stunningly amazing how God has used you. So God bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Bless our partners, touch them, and help them now in Jesus' name. But as we pray about this, 1 Corinthians, let's pray about the grace of God. Father, I pray today that you would help us to hear your grace. I don't think we can truly understand it, but we can take advantage of it. We'll understand it better when we're in heaven. But Lord, I pray today that somehow we would get it in this time of shaking of the earth, of disturbing trends, of things going bad. I thank you that your grace has always stayed the same and your grace comforts us and help us, Lord, to understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is great, verses 1 and 2. He says, moreover, brethren, he's talking to the church. I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received in which you stand. I preached it to you. It's the gospel I declare to you, preach to you, and you stand in it. Verse 2. By which also you are saved, if you hold fast that the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Wow, that's intense. Paul says there are some who believe in vain. 
Now, beloved, we must hold fast to the word of God and our faith and trust in him. We must hold fast and trust in God. We don't trust in our feelings. We don't trust in our, the way that things happen to us, but we trust in the word of God, this Bible. We trust if God said it, it's not going to change. If God said it, I believe it. And God has said a lot about the end of time. We'll get to that in a month or two. It'll be really good, actually. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 8 say, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren, at once, of whom the greater part remain present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. The risen Christ was seen by over 500 people. So being saved is a life-changing experience. When we are saved, it is a life changing experience, beloved. We need to understand that when we're saved from the ravages of hell, we're saved from the punishment of hell. God is trying to save us from that. And when we take his choice, then things change in our life. Now let's go on to the scripture with 9 to 11 say, Paul says, for I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Wow, that's intense. He punishing himself because he persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached. And so you believed. Beloved, the grace of God is divine. It's not human. The grace of God is divine and it heals us. Paul was being healed in his life. Nothing can compare to the amazing grace of God in the life of a believer. Nothing compares to the amazing grace of God. Can you believe that? If you can believe that, if you know you need grace because of the sin, you understand that, that the only way you're going to make it is if Jesus Christ helps you, then you can pray today. And, and here's how you pray. Follow me and say this, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I need you. I believe you died on the cross. We killed you. But you rose again by yourself on the third day because you're God. Now, Lord, be the Lord of my life. I need you now. Help me today. Amen. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Today, as we read through 1 Corinthians, we are reading a very ancient letter. And not just any letter, a letter written, of course, by the Apostle Paul. He opens up his letters, generally speaking, letting you know his audience know who it is that's writing. And he often signs his letters as well. So right now, you and I are going to be taking a closer look on this idea of the letters of Paul. Many of the books of the New Testament were originally written in the form of letters. Letters were a practical way to communicate over vast distances in the ancient Roman world. And often, the letter carrier could act as an additional representative, explaining the contents of the letter and adding any extra information or greetings from the sender. The most well-known biblical letter writer is the Apostle Paul, who is credited with writing 13 of the New Testament books. The Book of Romans, authored by Paul, gives us a clear look into his process. He used an amanuensis, a scribe. Though Romans opens up with a greeting from Paul, contains Paul's words and teachings, and closes with a farewell and blessing from him, Romans 16 verse 22 also contains a greeting from the scribe who wrote down the words for Paul. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Remembering that Paul was a very educated man, not only completing his elementary education, but continuing on to become a rabbi, he would have been quite skilled in reading and writing in perhaps a few different languages. Paul matches the historical profile of a literate man who found it most practical to employ a scribe when composing his letters. Scribes could take dictation word for word, or they could be free to give compositional and stylistic advice. For the most part, it appears that word for word dictation was the mode of Paul's choice, but giving his scribes some literary freedom would account for those letters of Paul that have stylistic differences from some of his other letters. The only specific mention of an amanuensis is the Christian scribe Tertius in Romans, but a habit or practice of using scribes to write his many letters would explain the references found in several biblical books to Paul writing in his own hand. In each case, this writing in his own hand came at the conclusion of a letter and strongly suggests that there has been a switch in handwriting, that a scribe penned the rest of the epistle on Paul's behalf, but here he takes up the pen to sign off. So there we go. A lot more can be said about the letters of Paul. There's even a whole other category, of, uh, you know, when Paul goes to prison that we're going to talk about later on in some of the upcoming programs. We're going to be taking a look at the prison letters of Paul because they're in a little bit of a category on their own uh, with interesting themes woven throughout them. So. Uh, really cool when you begin to break down the format of some of these books of the New Testament because it can be really revealing as to, um, you know, some of the ways that, that Paul had to arrange his argumentation so that they would fit within this format of a letter. What's interesting is the 13 letters which Paul did wrote that we know uh, in the Bible, some of them are personal mm -hmm. and some of them are to the, the, like he writes to the churches. Like the, yes. He writes to a province and he, mm -hmm. then he writes to the churches, mm -hmm. then he writes to people, yeah. Titus and Timothy and so on, and Philemon and the rest of it. And it's very interesting because these are, are deeply personal 
And uh, God uses Paul, who was also a persecutor of the early church yeah. before he came to know Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. And we know that Paul wrote other letters that weren't included in the Bible as well, which is a whole other branch of really interesting discussion. <laughs> well, it is, and we, we don't have time for that now. I but, know, but it's interesting. <laughs> but what, what's fascinating to me is that God uses the personality of this one-time persecutor mm -hmm. who he confronts, God confronts, yep. And he says, I saw Jesus Christ. And he said to me, why do you persecute me? So Jesus Christ takes persecution personally. Uh, and that's fascinating. And so then what happens is he uses Paul. And uh, that's absolutely amazing. And then, of course, he uses his brothers, James and Jude. It's really interesting. Anyway, we could get into a lot of these discussions. We could. But it's time to go to Ryan. What's going on? Yeah, well, today my focus is on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul is teaching his readers about the resurrection bodies all believers in Jesus Christ will receive one day. And he says, beginning in verse 38, But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. You know, Paul's point here seems to be that God can design us a body perfect for a resurrection life because he's created vastly different bodies and forms in the created universe, which are suited for all kinds of existence. And what Paul said about the stars is absolutely true. Each one is different from another. And if you don't believe that, here's the proof. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. This old English nursery rhyme asks a good question. What are stars? What are they made of? Physicists have been answering that question since Isaac Newton first used a simple prism to observe the refractive properties of light. Indeed, in the early 1800s, glassmaker Joseph von Fraunhofer created very pure prisms, which when combined with a telescope, allowed him to observe the spectrums of Venus, the Moon, Mars, and various stars such as Betelgeuse. Observing the spectrum of colors from the starlight allows astronomers to determine what elements are contained in the star. This is possible because each element has its own unique spectrum of colors, like a chemical fingerprint. Using this method known as spectral analysis or spectroscopy, physicists have been able to determine that most stars are around 75% hydrogen and 25% helium, with around 1% of other elements. The reason a star shines or twinkles is because these elements are glowing. Using this same process of spectral analysis on thousands of stars has shown that no two stars are the same. In fact, astronomers have separated stars into different classes based off of their temperature and composition. These classes, according to the Morgan-Keenan system, are O, B, A, F, G, K, and M. Interestingly, none of these stars contain material which is alien to the Earth. Although scientists classify our Sun as a type G star, the Bible does not classify the Sun as a star, but rather as the more important greater light. It is interesting then that compared to other stars, the Sun is extremely unique. For example, most stars such as Alpha Centauri or Sirius are members of systems of two or more stars, but the Sun is isolated. 
This is important since if there were more than one star in our solar system, life would probably not be possible. With other stars pulling on our planet, sometimes Earth would be too close to the Sun, and sometimes it would be too far away. The Sun is also brighter than 90% of the stars in the galaxy. Most stars are small red ones that we cannot see without a telescope. And those stars that are similar to the Sun emit extremely damaging superflares. Another unusual feature of our special star is its exceptional stability and its constant energy output. While most stars are quite unstable and fluctuate in temperature, this is not so with the Sun. In fact, our Sun's energy output is constant to within a few tenths of 1%. It truly is a remarkable object. It is highly significant that our Sun both outshines all other stars in its performance and is perfectly designed to support life. Is it right to assume then that the Sun is just a mere accident of nature? So as you can see, Paul's passing comment regarding the stars is absolutely true. Not one is the same as another. And what's more, the Sun stands out among them all. The Sun really is a remarkable object. And I don't count it mere coincidence that it's the most unique star known to man. Uh, the Bible actually seems to hint at this by the way it separates the sun from the other stars. Notice that the Bible doesn't classify the sun as a star. It's called the greater light in Genesis, and it's always distinguished from the stars. And actually, when the Bible does use the word star, it refers to any small glowing heavenly object. But star in our modern scientific definition means a giant ball of gas, of which the sun is. That's why I like to call the sun our special star. And think about this, the same God who made the sun, moon, and stars is going to make us a glorious new body. Our Creator deserves our deepest and utmost thanks, praise, and worship. You know, Ryan, this is really interesting. Uh, we could go into a lot here, but suffice to say that every star is unique mm -hmm. and different, and God knows the names of all of them. Yeah. Now, we call them after Roman gods, you know, like Jupiter and Saturn and Greek gods and all that stuff. But what does God call them? What does he say they are? That's fascinating. And, and to have so many of them, nothing's the same with God, and it is with us too. Hmm. And as we get our new bodies, I suspect that the DNA that we have now will be similar, but it'll be enhanced because it'll be made so that it will not die. Mm -hmm. And through our digestion there, whatever happens there, God will renew us. This is getting scientific. But. <laughs> and, and we're also uniquely designed by him. There's not another person that's exactly like you. Or you. Or me, or you, even, <laughs> even identical twins. There are differences. There are. And God has names for us, and he knows all of our names as well. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fascinating. What are we doing on the 26th of November? Yes. Okay, Friday, November 26th, we are hosting a free live event. So us four, we will be here in the studio broadcasting out to YouTube and Facebook. So if you would like to join us, we're talking about prayer, worship, and warfare in the Bible in our Christian life and in the church. So again, Friday, November 26th from 7 to 9 p.m., join us on our Bible Discovery TV YouTube page or Facebook page. Uh, and if you happen to be a part of Church 365, you'll actually get a special link to it. So you won't have to go there, but. 185 groups in Church 365, that's great. Okay, Jan? Yes, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the risen Christ. Faith's reality. Paul explains that the resurrection of Christ is essential 
to the faith. And if you read that passage today, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. That reminded me of a wonderful old song called "He Lives." And so today, listen up as I read these words. All right, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living. Whatever men may say, I see His hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Verse two. In all the world around me, I see His loving care, and though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that He is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of His appearing will come at last. Verse three: Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian! Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find none other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how? I know He lives. He lives within my heart. What an amazing piece of he music! He lives, and that's that's exactly what we sing to, and that's exactly what we feel. And the writer of that penned it.、Mm-hmm. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, he lives, and next time we'll talk about some more things on Friday. Thank you for joining us today. We've had a great time talking about the grace of God, and it's important that you join us on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 3:30 to 4:30. That's New York time or Eastern Standard Time, and we broadcast a prayer meeting.、I、want to pray for you? But we're going to end the program today with this prayer, and think very carefully as we pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your divine grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together. <laughs>